All right. We're back, man, for another episode of The Crave Show with Jay Ress and Chris. Man, hey, Chris. it's good to see you, Jay Ress. How's it going, yeah, bro? Yeah, you too. It's great. How was uh, camping? It's good. Well, we didn't, we actually didn't go camping. We went to Colorado. We try to go every summer with my wife's family. And we go up to this place. It's called um, Platoro. Hmm. So I guess that's a mixture of plata, which means silver, I think. Oro is gold. So silver and gold, I guess. I don't know. Okay. But, uh, it's, a, it's a little mountain village um, up in the mountains, almost at tree line, actually. Like it's way up there, like probably about 8,500 feet, 9,000 feet. <clears throat> And, um, there's this little village up there. They're only, there's only people that live there in the summer. Like it, it just completely inaccessible in the winter. So we, um, we do some fishing in the river. We fish in the reservoir. We do some hiking, just hang out, play dominoes, 42, whatever, man. It's, it's pretty nice. It's nice. It's fun. Excellent. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. So it was good. Cool. How have you been? What's been going on? Hmm. Uh, we did some team training. Uh, we, our camp finished last weekend and then I went to work with, uh, chemtrails, Scott of Midwest chemtrails. They're a VFS team in okay. Wisconsin. Uh, and then they have, uh, they have the Wisconsin head up state record coming up. Uh, it starts tomorrow. Oh, so, nice. uh, some, a bunch of people from here drove up there just now just most of the caravan just left and i'm going with the sky van in the morning i'm gonna fly over with rook and he's gonna fly us uh it's, it's just two plane shots so not huge i think it's like 35 people okay. um and uh yeah looking forward to that record so uh, tell us oh, what, what can you tell us about that about the head up record yeah well I mean, the chemtrails guys are, are a VFS team based there and they've done a, a few different events with, uh, state records, head down record and head up record. I think they also did a sequential. I think the current record is 16 in Wisconsin. Okay. So, uh, and if we're at 35 or six, looking to break that by a pretty solid margin. Um, I, I kind of insisted on being in the base. Uh, well, so, why is that? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's important to have a real, a good base and, uh, <laughs> I, not, nothing against anybody that's in the base already. They're all good flyers. And, and I just said, like, if you, if you're not sure where to put me, just put me in the base. Cause a lot of times people don't like to be in the base and I don't mind it at all. Uh, I want the base to be solid and mm. I feel like if I'm there, I can help and, uh, you know, if they say I need to go somewhere else, I will. But if, in the meantime, I'm gonna. Yeah. So why would there. why would someone why would you not want to be in the base? Well, is it boring or what do you mean? I don't understand. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, definitely, there's people who have complained that they don't want to be in the base. Um, is I that, don't know. Is that typically an easier spot? Well, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know that. I. I think that it can, it can be a little bit easier. Like you, you're the base. So it's not like you can't be in the jump. You're always in the jump, mm -hmm. but then, uh, the exit can be challenging for sure. Keeping everything line of flight can be a challenge. Uh, when people dock on the base, they impart energy many times. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think the base is really challenging and I, I don't know that, um, I don't think I could ever claim that I have been bored on a skydive. I, not, not once. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm uncertain about people who find a way to, to say that. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a question. Cause I was going back and watching over y'all's crave course. And, um, a question that I have for like formation, Scott, whether it's a world record or not, it doesn't matter. Like a record of any kind, doesn't matter. Um, at one point you talked about like the base has to face a certain direction, not ha I guess not has to, but it's supposed to face a certain direction, right? Like if you're planning one of these jumps, you plan out, like, this is the direction that the base is going to face. Is, is that correct? Did I understand correctly? hundred percent. Yeah. So that means that so-and-so would be on this side of jump run. So-and-so would be opposite him or her on this side of jump run and other people. So they not only do they have a position within the base, but they are supposed to be positioned 
relative to the ground in a certain orientation facing certain directions, north, south, east, west. Is that right? It's that it, yes, that is totally correct. Um, there, there is at least one person who's in the base of any formation that's responsible for line of flight. And okay, that's what I want to know. T tell me about how do you that that's my question. Who does that? How do you control that? Who, yeah, can you can you explain sure. that a little bit more? Yeah, so for um, for a head up formation, it's going to be me in this in this dive, say, and we're launching a six way base out of the sky band. So I'm facing, I'm in the center of the tailgate facing the pilot. Okay. And so I come out and sit back a little bit, and the people inside kind of sit forward, and we go feet into the relative wind, and then I'm looking up at the sky band. And it's it's unlikely that, I mean, six people that I don't jump with on a regular basis or ever, uh, it's very unlikely that we're going to come out on heading. So normally my little spiel to the, the people that are in the base is like, hey, it's probably not going to come out on heading and I'm going to put us back on line of flight. I don't want your help. I just want you to fly real neutral. And when I get us there, you'll see me nod my head a few times. That means that uh, we're we're good and the breaker inners can start getting in. And then if I nod again, we need to speed up. And if I nod at you, you need to speed up. Um, How do I know the difference if you're nodding or nodding at me? If I'm nodding generally, I'm looking straight across at my cross partner. Okay. And if I'm looking to the right or left, I'm okay. looking at if you. If you're making eye contact with me and I'm not your cross partner and you're nodding, that's at me. Yeah. Okay. So once people, once the breaker inners get in, if it's just, so it's a six way base we're launching and then it'll turn into an eight way base. Cause there's two guys breaking in. And then once they're in, I could still affect line of flight. Like if they, if they don't do a great job getting in, they turn us somehow, as long as it's just eight of us, probably I can, I can turn us and then I'll still keep trying. But once the first dingers get on, it starts getting a lot more difficult for one, any one person to, to affect the heading at that point. So then it becomes more of a team effort where everybody should understand if we're turning, should make sure they're not the problem, number one, and then um, actively try to stop that turn if they can. Um, but then, you know, say the 200 way, which is head down, then it's the opposite person whose line of flight, like uh, normally it's Rook, uh, and he will be in the center of whatever the base is facing out facing away from the pilot when they flip over then he's looking back up at the sky van and then everything else is the same so when it's just that initial six-way base and you're saying you tell every the other five guys or girls like hey just fly neutral yep you, you can turn that you can you can move that just with your own oh for sure yep okay is it yeah. pretty easy to do i wouldn't call it easy but it it's not crazy hard either uh, okay. head down's a little bit easier head up is a little bit harder okay and, mm -hmm. and are you just doing what i would what i would imagine you're doing you're just side sliding and pulling and pushing i mean just yeah. hold on tight and side slide just push the circle around whichever yep. direction mm -hmm. okay yep. that's cool and then i just got to decide when when to stop yeah is it hard to stop it once you get it moving mm -mm. no people, Not any people kind of feel the tugs and pulls and they kind of yeah, and they're all good flyers, so it's it's going to be really neutral. It's just that uh, I've had times in the past where even with that statement of, guys, I don't need your help, people try to help me, and they think we need to go the way that I don't agree with. Um, and so I'm trying to go one way, and they're trying to go the other way. And I'm like, man, it should not be this hard. Uh, and uh, so I try to be explicit about you just fly neutral, and I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I could totally see that. I'd be like, I'm yeah. going to help him out and totally <laughs> screwing it up. <laughs> yeah. We get down on the ground. You're like, Chris, you're out. Get to the <laughs> sideline. Sit down. Sit well, this, down. This uh, record is going to be great because I'm not in charge of anything. I mean, I'm line of flight, but I'm yeah. not an organizer. So yeah. these are super fun events for me because I'm I, I, all I have to do is to be docked in my slot. I'm in the base. Like nothing's going to, I mean, probably everything's going to be okay in the base. And then I just gonna screw around i got a uh, oh matt congdon is on my left he's one of the chemtrails guys richo if you know richo he's in the base mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to you know after the first breakoff wave i'm gonna be corking people out uh <laughs> see, see if they'll cut me 
<laughs> that's awesome. Dude, that, that sounds, I, I would, I, I hope I have a chance to do some jumps like that sometime soon. That sounds really fun. And 35, like that's not a lot really. You know I mean? That's, that's like a fun, that sounds fun, man. I mean, yeah. it is a lot, but it's not like 200. Yeah. So I, th I think the records or the events that are around 60, like a three plane shot, um, those are really nice because the, if you think about the alignment of any formation that people try and draw up, usually it's got some symmetry to it. And uh, when you have three planes, you have a, a lead plane and a trail plane and a trail plane. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're symmetry. And so okay. you can get people to their spot and build a symmetric formation with, with no carving. Basically everyone can come and just have a straight approach. Mm -hmm. um, whereas tomorrow we're going to start with a, a lead plane and a right trail. And so we have to have, in order to have like a symmetric formation, somebody's got to carve over to the mm -hmm. other side and they minimize it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully if you get into something, it's on the, the three plane shot. Those are, I don't know what the right word is easier. Maybe. Yeah. 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 A little, maybe cleaner or something. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Cleaner. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, so I, I wanted to real quick, we, we do have a few people in the audience because I'm, I'm really stoked about that. Yeah. So if you're in the audience right now watching, I am Jason and I are so glad that you're here watching. Um, <laughs> this is cool for us. Like I, yeah. I love, I, even if nobody's watching, I love sitting and talking with you and, and just mm -hmm. chewing the fat, shooting the bull. It's so fun, man. Um, but I really, my, my hope is, and I know your hope is as well, that people will number one, enjoy these shows, these episodes and benefit from them. I mean, really that's our hope. Our hope is that people can learn something, maybe hear a fun story, um, and, and hear some, some safety stuff, maybe some coaching tips or whatever. And part of the things that we're wanting to do, and, and I've said this other episodes, I'm going to say it again right now. Um, oh, somebody said, happy to listen with Paul said, happy to listen with y'all. Thanks, Paul, man. We're glad to hear <laughs> it, dude. Um, but we've said this before. I want to say it again. If, if you're watching this episode live or you see it online or something, we, we really want to at, work into the, um, the ability to offer live coaching and feedback. So <clears throat> we actually have a link set up on the Crave website where you can go to the show. You can upload a video in advance. We'll get those videos. We'll go through them. We'll look at them. Um, and the, the idea is that you upload a video of yourself doing something. Maybe you're working on a particular exit or you're working on a free fly skill or you're working on head up, whatever, something. And we will look at those videos. And then for the next recording, we'll have you on the show. We'll pull up your video. We'll look at it live, uh, you know, watch it together with you and then offer you some, some, um, some coaching, some instruction, some tips on that video. We would love to get into that, um, to do that more and more and more that that would become kind of the bulk of the show is what we're hoping. Kind of like, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers car talk. That's what I keep comparing it to. I was inspired by car talk where you call in and say you have a problem with your car and they help you diagnose it, but this is for skydivers. So, um, please, if you're, if you're watching the show live or you're watching online, share it with your friends, share it with people, you know, other skydivers that you think would enjoy it and benefit from it. And, um, hopefully we can get that going more and more. You want to say anything about that, Jairus? No, it's, you, you said it perfectly. Yeah, and and uh, I, I like that you just put in the in the chat. You said don't don't be scared to ask questions. That's yeah, for sure. If you have questions, you want to throw up in the chat. That's a great way to do that. Thank you, uh, Jason, for saying that. Yeah. Well, so on that note, one of the things we want to do is we talked. I think last episode we were talking about your friend Monica, and um, kind of a pretty scary incident, right? That, yeah. that happened. Um, so she's going to join us here in just a second. She's going to, she's going to, um, log in. She's going to be here on, on the show with us. So, um, we've got a video that she's going to share of that. It was basically a, I mean, it was a canopy collision, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, Monica. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Perfect. Perfect timing. Perfect. <laughs> so, Jay Russ, um, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about it? And then I'm just going to let you and Monica kind of talk through and, and go through this stuff. If I have questions or comments, I'll chime in, but do, do you mind just kind of taking the wheel? 
No, but I, I, I might actually hand it off to Monica really that's fast. Great. Yeah, um, that's great. No problem. Yeah, just um, a few weeks ago, uh, Steph, my wife, um, shared a video with me that, uh, that had, Monica had posted. And it showed two different, um, two different video perspectives of a canopy collision that Monica was involved in. And then um, Steph had said that the posting was sort of uh, just sort of, hey, this happened and please don't be toxic, but I'm trying to learn from what happened. And if you have constructive comments, I'm happy to listen to them. But um, just it seemed like a real positive post about ah, this was a bad situation, but everybody's okay. We're just a little banged up and, and just trying to learn from it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. And then I watched the video, of course, uh, there was a few different discussions about that video at Scott of Chicago, kind of in the free fly corner. Um, we put it up on the big screen. We talked about it for a little while and it just made me think that, especially considering that Monica's approach was one of, Hey, I want to learn from this. And if anybody's got any insights and then, um, people were asking me kind of, as we watched the video, what do you think? What would you have done? What, what was the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. Just seemed like a good topic to, to discuss. Um, so with that being said, I think Monica should probably take over and, and, uh, we, we can listen to her. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me guys. Um, I think it's probably easiest if we start with the free fall. Um, so the other jumper and I, we were on a five-way free fly jump with some of our friends. Free fall went great. Canopy deployment went great. And then it came for landing. And so I think a couple of important uh, pieces of information here was that it was a sunset jump. You know, kick beer was set up in the pee pit at Orange uh, for people to come in, aim at, and try to kick beer as they were landing. Um, and so now that brings us to landing. So myself and the other jumper we were in our downwind leg at the same time, uh, but at different altitudes. And so that's because of different wing loadings and different canopy types. So I'm on a Crossfire 299 loaded at a 1.6 and the other jumper is on a Vela 103 loaded at a 2.3. And so on downwind leg, I saw the other jumper, I saw him looking at the pee pit. And so I assumed you know, he sees me. I'm, I was a little bit inside of him. I was closer to the landing area. He and I land together all the time. Um, so I made that assumption that he saw me. And so I continued my plan to go for the pee pit. And so I turned on base and then I turned on final. And then right before I started my flare to land, um, I was impacted from behind. Um, the other jumper, his canopy impacted the back of my lines, which immediately caused his canopy to collapse and caused him to impact the ground pretty hard. Um, in the moment, I was able to recognize immediately what had happened. I saw his canopy over my head. I recognized the colors. And so the only thought going through my mind at that time was just keep flying the canopy, right? Just keep flying it all the way to the ground. And that's what I did. So about, uh, about how high off the ground were you when, when he, when you guys impacted, when y'all hit? Uh, we were about 15, 20 feet. Okay. Yep. All right. And you, you have that video with you, right? Can we watch the video? Yeah. Can you share yep. your screen? I can. Let me see. Let's go ahead and share. And while, while she's pulling that up, I, I do want to say, you know, there, there's a there's a difficult line for us to kind of walk in these sort of things. We want to hold each other accountable for safety. We want to learn from one another. We want to even correct one another when, you know, Jason, JRS, if we're jumping together and I do something that's unsafe, you, you have an obligation and responsibility to, to tell me, right? And to call me sure. on it. Mm -hmm. I have an obligation and a responsibility to <laughs> try to humble myself and listen and learn from that. So I hope that anybody that sees this and or hears us talking understands that that's the line we're trying to walk is to help everyone be safer, help everyone be better. We are not trying to, uh, as I said to Monica yesterday, we're not trying to throw anyone under the bus. We're not trying to castigate anyone. We're not trying to deride or, or make someone look bad. We're saying, hey, here's something that happened. What can we learn from it? How can we all be better? 
How can we all be safer so that we don't make these same mistakes? Okay, so I just shared my screen. Are you guys able to see that? Yes, yep. yeah. Yep, okay. All right, so this is the ground view here. Let me see. Let's hide that. <laughs> Okay. Well, looks like it buffered a little bit. Give me one second. There we go. Hmm. Monica, see, see if you can go ahead and play it again and stop it before the collision. And then okay. see if you can move it forward kind of frame by frame. Sure. Let's see. It's going to have that pop up. And then Monica, do you have, do you also have his inside view that, that you posted? I do. Okay. I, I mean, that one is, is also instructional to look at. So, um, yep. yeah. And, and JRS, please, any, anything that you want well, to share that you see, I, so I, I really want if, to hear. If we pause this just for a second and just talk about what Monica's, what that outside view of, of Monica, uh, shows, uh, it looks as though from that viewpoint that Monica's turning in front of the swooper. Um, and it isn't really until you see this viewpoint of his that um, you can see. Uh, Monica, I'm assuming that when you talked to him, he said he didn't see you? That's correct. Yeah. Um, because if he had, this would be a, a whole different conversation. But... Um, Okay, so the assumption is that he didn't see Monica or his statement is that he didn't see her. However, when you when you see this video here, Monica's I think I can see just in the, like the top of your green canopy there, um, kind of over his right shoulder. And from that this perspective now you can you can see that um, she should have been seen, but she's in a place that's like right behind his arm if he were to look to the right, she should have been seen. And it's easier to see in this perspective that um, she is lower at this moment. Um, she's closer to the target at this moment. And he is gonna turn and get lower and then increase speed so that from the perspective we just saw, it looks as though Monica's turned in front of him and he's the lower canopy, but that's not actually the scenario. Okay, right, right here, hold on. Don't, Monica, can you see your canopy in this frame? I can, yeah. So can you circle um, it? Kind of, kind of put your mouse around it or pointing at it or something. I don't um, know if we can see your mouse. So I, unfortunately, I am just using this as a touch screen. Um, but oh, if you okay. see, is it is it right there? Out. Is it kind of to the corner at the corner of that metal building? Yeah. Do you see the the smaller white yes. uh, on it that's in front? Yep. So it looks like my canopy is right above that. Gotcha. Okay, I see it. Yep. Yeah, you want to go ahead and play. You want her to play it, Jason? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit difficult, I think, with the um, the way that the sort of the video transfer is happening. Um, it's not being smooth, but. Um, maybe this one would be better. Oh, the, so this is the same, the same video. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Go, go back to the other one one more time.
Ja. So, I, I had talked to Monica earlier this week and just said, or maybe last week, and, and, and just said, you know, I'd like this to be as organic as we can possibly make it where I have thoughts about this. But um, I didn't want to say anything to her until we had a chance to hear from her what what are the lessons like what do you think about this scenario and and um you know if you got feedback from other people if the other jumper had anything uh you know salient to add if if you had learning points or things you would do differently next time um i think it's more important to hear them from you first yeah absolutely um i would say for me the biggest takeaway is just to not assume anything, never assume anything, right? I, um, when I saw the other jumper, I assumed that he saw me because I, you know, I was able to see his face. I assumed because I was closer to the landing area that he saw me. I also assumed that, you know, since him and I have landed together in the tandem landing area time and time again, I assumed it's fine. He sees me, um, you know, so even at our home drop zone, you know, at any drop zone, just um, that assumption is a form of complacency. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. Okay, Chris, did you see that chat message? No. It says Raleigh says she can't hear Monica anymore. I can hear Monica very, very clearly. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can hear so her fine. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Um, so in response to that, Monica, I would say for sure that, um, that's a good takeaway that, uh, if you see another person, then, um, that's at least a good start. And until you probably, until you feel confident that they either see you or you understand as clearly as you can, what their intent is in that moment, um, that, um, it's probably better to be a, a little bit cautious uh, until you're, you have confidence that they see you. Um, and, um, that can be difficult. I mean, especially with people that you don't know very well, it sounds like, you know, this guy reasonably well and that you guys have experience together. And so that also contributes to, to, uh, not, I don't think it's complacency. I think it's just maybe comfort with the situation that if it was someone other than him, you might not have been as comfortable. Um, and so I, I would be hesitant to call that complacency. It's just, it just okay. develops, I think, very naturally among jumpers that know each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, just being overly comfortable because we have that experience landing next to each other all the time. Yeah. And did he have anything to add? Did he have anything that, you know, he said he learned or he would do differently that you can recall? So I did, I, he and I have been talking a lot after this incident, uh, both of us just want to learn from it and make sure that we're not in the same situation again. Um, and so when I asked him one of his big takeaways, he mentioned how, you know, back when we were all in AFF, we were taught it only takes one person to avoid a collision. Right. And the facts don't matter if you're dead or injured. Right. So even if you are in the right. Um, regardless, just being that one person, being aware and keeping your head on a swivel, that can mean the difference between life and death. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess when I was, um, sorry, before, I'm, I, sometimes I get ahead of myself. Are there other points that, that you felt like were, were worth discussing related to this incident or, or other things that that you thought are good takeaways to tell other people? Um, I think for me, the, the biggest one was just the assumptions piece. Can I ask, um, did you guys have any discussion about pull altitudes? You guys were on the same group skydive? We were, yes. Yep. And so if he's loaded at two, three and you're loaded at one, six, I think you said, um, how did you how how did you guys arrive at this moment at the same time? 
So we didn't discuss pull altitudes. Um, I know that for me, I usually pull around 3,500 feet. I don't know where his pull altitude was. But yours was a normal pull and I'm, yeah. I, I'll hope and assume that you don't spiral down in the pattern. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. So it's very possible that he pulled a little bit higher, right? Um, maybe um, with a higher performance canopy, he wanted a little bit more time or, um, but uh, one of the things that, that I think that it's important for a lot of people to hear is that when we have similar pull altitudes, uh, you know, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people put their, their second audible at three, five, which, um, I think is pretty common, meaning that you're going to have a pin out, I don't know, three, three, two or three, one or something like that. Maybe saddle in or 2,500 or 2,400, somewhere around there. And with that in mind, if we're, if we're all doing that, um, then there's a, as long as no one is making aggressive moves towards the ground, there's a very natural separation that happens between canopies based on wing loading and, you know, the smaller canopies generally descend quicker. Um, and that's assuming that we're all in the same group, it, but it, it works pretty well, even with different groups. Um, but you guys were in the same group and somehow, despite those somewhat different wing loadings, um, you guys made it to this point at the same moment. Um, what would you say is the experience level as far as, um, this didn't look like a, it looked like just a 90 degree turn to me on a 2.3 wing loading um, is a relatively mm -hmm. small turn in, in my opinion. Um, and so it made me wonder about what is the experience level of the other jumper and, and do they normally swoop and is this their normal turn and, and those kinds of questions. Do you know answers to things like that? So I, I might be able to provide some of the information. Um, so they, they have about, 750 jumps and they've done you know several canopy courses to get up to where they are um, in terms of uh, swooping i know that he does a lot of hop and pop jumps so he does focus a lot on canopy work and those landings okay um yeah i think that one of the things that develops uh whether it's organic or not i'm not sure but maybe through maybe through coaching also is the awareness similar to um if you're a skier you know the responsibility for skiing is on the person that's behind and um they're the uphill skier they have to avoid the people that are below them and it's very similar thought process for canopy that if you're higher in the pattern you are responsible for avoiding the people that are lower than you they, uh, the people that are lower to the ground can't be looking up and and trying to decide what the people above them are going to do and in a very similar way, when you start swooping and you're adding a lot of speed, you're intentionally adding speed close to the ground, um, you also have an added responsibility to check off people in the pattern. Um, and if we talk, you know, I think a few weeks ago we talked about um, an accident that happened in Paris with Pat McGowan, where two of them, two, only two people in the sky managed to hit each other and they both died. Um, and I, I don't, know the specifics of that um but uh similar to what you said after the fact it's just it, it doesn't really matter who's at fault if there's a fatality or there's two fatalities um and i, I totally agree with whoever told you that in this case i think that that other jumper um as ex obviously trying to gain experience, but still to be honest um, with the, the whole crowd that 700 jumps is not very many to be on a 2.3 wing loading, in my opinion. Um, and you would have to be dedicating quite a bit of time, like all 700 jumps to, to canopy flight to, to justify that. And, and it, it made me wonder when I saw the video of an inside 360 camera to film a 90 degree turn I instantly, I thought, I wonder if this guy's kind of newer to swooping because I would be bored to tears filming my 90 degree turns over and over again. You know, it's just not something that I would care to, to review. Um, and, and so if I were to talk to that other jumper, there would definitely be a, Hey, you, you know, you, you have a lot more responsibility now, if you're going to get your canopy going faster than everyone else's to make sure that you have space to fly into. Um, and uh, hopefully that was part of the discussion. Um, and one of the 
I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but one of the things that I talked to say the organizers at Summerfest about is they are allowed to make uh, 90 degree turns and a lot of them have smaller canopies, but it's really important to keep in mind that there's just a whole bunch of people who want to put their feet on the ground safely and they don't care if they're going any faster and they don't care if they swoop. They just want to get down from the skydive and be safe. And when you're swooping, you, you really need to keep that in mind that nobody except you really gives a shit about your swoop. And if you're endangering other people, um, you're doing it wrong. And, and uh, so I think there's, you know, the things that you said about not being, not taking for granted that he saw you is a, a great point for you. You know, when you see him and you think, oh, I don't know if it registered to you where you were in his perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like he's up and to your left and you mm -hmm. are down and to his right. And mm -hmm. a 90 degree turn doesn't have a lot of blind spots, but in that video, you can, you can see that if he's looking here, it's possible that you were obscured by his own arm. Um, and so I, I'm not saying that that's your, your fault at all. I'm just saying that if you recognize that you are a little bit behind him and a little bit lower, that's a tough spot maybe for him to see you or the only tough spot. And if you had hit the brakes a little bit, that might have prevented that until you knew for sure that he saw you. He kicked a leg like, hey, go, I'm, I'm waiting on you or, or some kind of signal that there's, hey, I see you. Um, but otherwise I, I, I'm, I, I don't know this guy and I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I do want to put responsibility where it belongs and say that, um, swoopers have additional responsibility to care for the other people in the sky. Thanks. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. If, if, um, and I'm not, I'm just saying this based off using the language that, that Monica used the assumption language. If you're going to make an assumption, just assume that they don't see you like make that yeah. your assumption. I, I used to ride motorcycles, not, not a lot, but enough. And that was what somebody taught me a long time ago when I was like 16 years old, I started riding motorcycles. They said, you need to assume that every car on the road is trying to kill you because they don't, especially in America people do not look for motorcycles. So it's like, you got to have that mindset that every car on the road is trying to run you over. And, um, I think there's been a couple of times that actually saved my life because I assumed that they absolutely didn't, and were trying to hit me or what, you know, so, um, that, that, yeah. and, and obviously it's so easy. Hindsight is 2020. We're watching the video Monday quarterbacks, whatever, all that stuff. But, um, and I've made my fair share of mistakes. But just that assumption that, you know what, I'm, I'm assuming they don't see me. I'm going to turn tighter. I'm going to stay inside. What, I don't know, whatever. Um, not, not as a way to place blame. I don't mean it like that. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think hopefully it goes without saying, cause the, you know, landing area incidents, you know, you're, you were fine. Looked like you might've maybe made it even without a, a bruise. And he was probably a little bit banged up. If there's one more system height in this scenario, we're, we're having a pretty different discussion. And if, mm. if you guys lived through that, that would have been good. Um, so it's important to acknowledge that this was a really close call. And it's nice when you have those videos where you can show a really close call and nobody died and nobody's seriously injured. And we can try and learn from it because this is not far away from a bad accident. Right. And that was the goal of, uh, of the post that I made. We, um, we really want to, you know, hopefully help other people maybe be more aware under canopy and to prevent yeah. them being in the same situation. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing the video and, and please tell that other jumper that we're, we're really thankful that he's willing to, to share and let us, let us talk and, and do stuff. And we, you know, like I said, Learn. We, we've all made mistakes. We've all, done things we shouldn't have done. And, and, um, I think he just honestly didn't see you he, like, like JRS said. And, and, um, so we're thankful that both of y'all are willing to help everybody be safer through these things. That's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks Monica. Blue skies, Monica. That, that's, that's good, man. That's helpful. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a scary video, but it's also really good to force ourselves to to watch those or look at those incident reports, all that stuff, you know? 
Yeah, I I have a an on I I we really need to have another guy on as a guest. Um, so STC Rhythm uh, is the belly team here, um, mm -hmm. and in previous years that was mostly um, shepherded by Steve and Jeanette Lefkowitz, who are the founders of that team. They have moved on, and it's, it continues with Doug Barron and and some new jumpers. Um, but they had a camera flyer a couple of years ago, Justin Wegeman. Uh, Wageman, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he is a PhD in educational systems or something like that. That's getting the point across. And we had a fairly long discussion. And then Steve Lefkowitz and I carried that discussion on for years about whether or not it is effective and efficacious to show people videos of bad things that have happened. Oh, that's a good question, man. Yeah, and Justin's argument was that it's not. Wait, this is the guy who has the PhD, the educational degree or whatever. Yes, he, and he said it's it, not helpful. Not helpful. And, what? And he's yeah, if you can believe it, he said according to him, it's been it's been studied and tested fairly extensively, and that if you get benefits from seeing negative things from a video, it's very fleeting. It doesn't hmm. just doesn't last very long, um, and. Uh, so they, the, the thrust of what he was saying was that they prefer, or the preferred methodology is to show the right thing uh, over and over again. And you can mm. mention that, that this could go wrong, but to not, not show people that. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, at the year, after the, over the years talking with Steve, I have videos that I like showing people about say angle flying uh -huh. when angle flying went really wrong because you disregarded oh, the rules and no one died. Mm. And, um, thankfully I don't have any videos of the, of the fatality kind, which is really mm. nice, but, but I do have a couple that are, are pretty bad accidents that could have been fatalities, but weren't and, and everyone ended up okay. Um, but this, there are real world consequences to, so the rules that we set for whatever skydive we're on and, you know, in the case of an angle flying jump, there's, there's some basic rules that, that you learn and then you build on those as you go. But if you disregard those, no matter what level you're on, if you disregard the basic rules, you're in jeopardy at that moment. So I, I still show it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, I want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can show it. I, I have permission from everybody involved. Um, but uh, maybe that's a different angle so, flying would be a great one. Um, real quick, can you are you able to summarize? Uh, his name is Justin. Is that what you said? Justin is the PhD former camera flyer. Yes. Yeah. Are Are you right now? Can off the top of your head, can you summarize his reasons as to why that's or or, or do we need to have him on and talk to him? And, I mean, I can paraphrase, but it was basically that that the the gains, whatever gains you think you're getting, are are very fleeting. It just it it doesn't last, and and it's a much more um, long lasting and effective way to teach by showing or teaching the right thing and hmm. not showing or Man, teaching. I'm so the interested. Wrong thing. How, how would they even study that? I'm really interested to hear how they how they went about that. That's that's really that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, huh. um, I th think he's still skydiving, so maybe I could talk him into coming on the show with us. And, That'd be cool. And, man. Uh, That'd be fun. Yeah. He can chastise me for showing my videos over and over yeah, again. Exactly. I, yes. But awesome. I think they work Get really him, well. Justin. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned, uh, we got a few more minutes, uh, the basic rules for angle flying. You mentioned it. So oh, okay. lay them on us. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I, what I'm probably going to end up doing is giving most of my my introductory briefing for angle flying. Um, but there are a couple of um, rules that I think of as basics for angle flying. And um, the first one that I try and get everyone to listen to is that when we get out of the plane, we're going to turn 90 degrees from line of flight. And um, there's a little bit of contention around that, believe it or not, that um, some groups and some very well-known groups although I'm not going to say anybody by name, um, they actually teach going up line of flight for a short period of time, gathering everyone, and then turning or starting the jump. And 
I had a fairly extensive conversation with uh, a good friend who is in one of those very well-known Anglefly groups. And she actually helped me develop some of the stuff that we're using at Sky of Chicago um, and refined. I, I wrote up a, basically a leadership quiz and system for signing off leaders at Sky of Chicago. And uh, she helped me make it better. And she's been a, a longtime friend. And we, we ended up from that having a long conversation about not, well, probably spent 10 minutes talking about just the line of flight thing. And my, um, I had a couple of points that I thought were important. And, and one of them is, and Chris, I, I think that you'll identify with this a little bit because I know you do some coaching and some organizing. You never know what people are going to hear of all the shit that you say. I don't know exactly what people are going to hear or what words are going to sink into their mind. Mm -hmm. And if a newer angle fly person that's very overwhelmed and you know, this is their first group and, and that what they hear is we're going up line of flight and they get confused and that is their skydive. Mm. And Whew. now we have taken a group that might have left them but they heard, well, we're going up line of flight, and I know jump run was north. I should just keep going north, and maybe I'll catch back up with them. And that's troublesome in my mind. Um, mm. And I'm guessing I haven't been through a course at, at anybody's angle fly stuff, although I would really like to. I just need more hours in the day. Um, I would love to be a student in one of those courses and just hear how it's taught, but I'm assuming that they do specify, Hey, we're just going up line of flight for three or five seconds or whatever. And then we're going to turn perpendicular to line of flight. But it's in my opinion, it's just as easy to gather people after you've turned 90 degrees from line of flight. Even if you aren't actually moving very much right now, I'm just getting us away from those other groups. Mm -hmm. And I may have made some progress in, convincing her i'm not sure i never asked um okay so a basic rule turn off line of flight um a basic oh, real, rule real quick real yeah. quick because i i i always like to turn off line of flight i, I mean like out the door that's what i always tell people if they're if they're flying with me i'm right. organized i'm leading a jump it's like but con convince me that it needs to be 90 degrees why is 45 50 60 degrees not enough well, it, I mean, it depends on kind of what the skydive is, but I, I would argue that your first move needs to be 90 to take you some distance away from jump run on, on pretty much every jump. Um, and if you think about as you get into lesser angles, and we, ha we actually had an issue here last week at Skydive Chicago with a very experienced leader who went 45. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's got a six or seven way. He goes mm -hmm. 45. In his mind, he's not he's not a local, but he's been doing camps here. And then you've got three or four people on a side, right? And at breakoff, if they just went 45, let's say arbitrarily jump run was north, they go 45 to the oh, north for the whole for the whole jump. East or however much, I don't know. There are three or four people whose radial for breakoff is going to be back towards jump run. Gotcha. And depending on how good everyone is, depending on how close to 45 they actually were, were they 40? Were they 38? Mm -hmm. Were they 46? Mm -hmm. Like nobody's getting out a protractor, but people, <laughs> but people in his group opened their canopy close to one of the next groups. Uh-huh. And so there was, of course, our, our Anthony, our, our manager in SNTA came out and had a discussion with that leader and, and clarified it must be 90. Mm -hmm. um, because even like if you think, OK, this is a very beginner angle, I'm going to go 90 degrees to line of flight as soon as we get out the door. And then just so we don't all get too far away, I'm going to go. I'm going to change that. So let's say jump run was north. I decide to go west. And then somewhere halfway through the jump, I'm going to go northwest. I'm going to turn it about 45 degrees. So we don't get too far off the wind line. Nobody's too far from the drop zone. But that's still two or three people who are on the inside of that turn who are now going to go back towards jump run. And since we tracked away for 20 seconds, it's very unlikely that in their five seconds they're going to get back to that group. But 
depending on the skill set of the people after them, depending on where their canopy opens, what direction they're flying. Did they have line twist? Are they flying blind back towards jump run? Now we've got a whole bunch of really interesting scenarios. And when I say interesting, I mean crap scenarios that, that when you start shaving it towards jump run, you're, I, that's just an iffy proposition in my mind. And yeah. similar to, similar to swooping, the belly flyers that are coming after you don't, they don't give a shit about your angle. They want to open in clear airspace and they want to fly safely to the ground and they mm -hmm. flew straight down. And when people start adding angles, like I like angle jumps and they're really fun, but it is, it, it is a danger to the people around you when it is done anything other than correctly. And so 45 is, is not okay. Um, at least not for me. And, um, while I'm at Scottish Chicago, it's probably not going to be okay. Um, yeah. No, that, that's great. Thank you. That's very helpful. So yeah, um, that's very good. an immediate turn out the door. Once the jump is starting to get established, like people have been collected, you, if you draw a center line through the long axis of the leader, you are on one side or the other, mm -hmm. and you will stay on that side um, unless it is prescribed that people will be switching sides during the jump, which is a very advanced jump. And for most people is not really a thing right now. Um, you're, you're going back to your rules, right? Just to clarify. Yeah. For those rule. Second rule would be establish a line through the center of the leader. Don't cross that center line. Stay on your side. Stay on your side. Rule number three, once you're on your side, stay in your lane. And if I usually equate it to like a, a pack of bicycle racers and there's people on all sides. And if, if you're going side to side in your bike, eventually you're going to hit somebody and you need to go straight. And so if you're going side to side in my jump, my counseling would be, Hey, stop that. Just, just go back to neutral belly and now try and accelerate again, straight forward. Even if it drops you back from the jump, because you're, you're still way safer than doing crazy stuff side to side. Mm. So those three rules get the jump going a turn 90 degrees, pick the center of the leader, stay in your lane. After that, we'll talk about where exactly is the right position for belly and back. Um, what are the quadrants around the leader? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Although in the beginning, that's, that's kind of drink it from a fire hose. Um, and then the, the other big rule that I want to talk about is break off. And then I'll add one more, I think, but, um, in any skydive, Getting to the skydive and leaving the skydive are the most dangerous parts, typically. When we're all going the same speed in the same direction, cool, everything's pretty safe. When we are approaching and we are departing, we are intentionally changing direction from other people and we are changing fall rates from other people. And we're doing it on purpose. We have to. We have to get away from them. So the word that I normally use to describe breakoff to my groups is that it starts out as progressive or it is progressive. It starts out with say i'm looking over my left shoulder i'm watching j russ lead cool we're going in a straight line right on he i see him signal for break off progressive means in that first moment absolutely nothing changes other than i was looking at j russ and now i'm going to look over my outside shoulder and start clearing the space that i intend to move i know the leader's there that's not where i'm going i'm going whatever my radial might be um once i've I've seen that I have some clear airspace. Now I gently rudder with my shoulders until I veer away from the leader, still going relatively slow as uh, considering what we were just doing with the leader. And only when I've picked my radial, gently turned to that line, now I stretch out and I start going flatter and faster and faster and faster. So that by the time that my track off is complete, I'm going as flat and as fast as I can, but it started very slowly. So that if there's somebody behind me who's either high or confused or they didn't hear their ditter go off, somebody who didn't get the memo is not charging like a bullet to get back into the jump while I'm trying to, to flatten out and go away from the jump. Those are radically different speeds and directions. So I really emphasize a progressive breakoff um, to my jumpers. And then uh the last thing would be for leaders that i think there's there's an important rule to consider that whatever complexity you're going to add to the jump orientation changes turns dives flattening out whatever barrel rolls whatever you're going to do all that happens in the middle of the jump the, the first two-thirds of the jump whatever so that the last 10 seconds eight seconds is smooth and slow 
relatively slow, not steep to the ground, slow to the ground, and very, very predictable. So that whatever explosion happened during your barrel roll, your turn, your dive, your flat, whatever, those things always spread people out. And that the last 10 seconds or eight seconds allows it to coalesce again, where it's slow, everybody got in, I, I know where exactly where the group is. And now when I break off, it makes sense. I, I have a good idea of where my other fun jumpers are. Yeah. All right, that's good. So man. that's a that's, nutshell. That's really good. Okay. So I'm going to try to recap 90 degree out the door off jump run. Find the, the, the line through the, through the long axis of the leader and get on yep. your side, stay on your side. Number three, stay in your lane. Number four, that, that was to do with jo joining break the group off. and leaving oh, ju or just break off, break off, progressive okay. break off, progressive yep. break off. And then lastly, any For the leader, the leader, any kind of complexities need to happen in the first two thirds. So the last third of the jump last at least 10 seconds is smooth and predictable and, and easy. Yeah. Similar to the beginning that you gathered people at the mm -hmm. end, you're going to gather people again. Um, so that it's not a zoo at breakoff. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this question because I just had, uh, not too long ago, um, some guys, great guys, like very good flyers and very nice guys. Like I, I was really happy to get to jump with these guys cause it's a group of guys I don't ever get to jump with. So I was just stoked and enjoyed jumping with them and they really like for the end of a jump to get faster, uh, an angle for an angle. They like for it to get faster and faster at the end so that everyone has speed building into the end of the jump to, to have that speed to break off and get away from one another. Do you, what's your, what's your thoughts and opinion? It sounds like you just said the opposite. I did. Yeah. Um, when I'm and on when a they belly, said it, when they said it to me, cause I was leading a jump and that was, and, and, um, after we got down, I said, Hey, you have any feedback, you know, anything. Um, and that was the one, one of the things that one of them says like, Hey, yeah, you might just think about it at the end. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of mild and just pretty, it wasn't flat. It wasn't steep. It was just a, a very medium part of the jump. It was kind of exactly what you described. And they're like, you know, you might just think about just really speeding it up at the end to give everybody some speed so they can really get that, um, to get away from one another. Sorry. Yeah. What, what, what uh -huh. are your thoughts? I, I mean, I, th look, there's always going to be different opinions on how it's supposed to be done. But, um, but if you take your flat mellow ending of the jump and everyone's around you, if it's flat and mellow, nobody has a ton of power in that moment. How do they hurt other people? I mean, if we're all going slowly, the same direction, if we're, you and I are creeping through the parking lot at five miles an hour. What are we going to do to our cars? I mean, yeah. you might bend the metal a little bit because there's, there's a decent amount of momentum, but nobody's getting seriously hurt at five miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And if you, we say, okay, we're going to go out on the freeway instead, because because of that 65 miles an hour, we can go faster away from each other. That's, I agree. That is true. And when you fuck up with that power, you have a lot of power to hurt somebody mm -hmm. where in your situation, you just don't. Uh, and when I get into a group of people that say they're never going to make mistakes, I'm out of that group right then. Mm. <laughs> that just isn't the case. I make mistakes all the time. And I think I know where people are and I don't, and, uh, you know, I'm still alive and skydiving. There's been a couple of times that it was just blind luck. I messed up really badly and I didn't kill myself or somebody else, but it could have easily gone the other way. Um, and we all have friends that aren't with us. So, I mean, I, I, I like the power that I have on a head down jump. When I break off, it is a ton of power. I'm going 180 miles an hour. And I, when I lean on the wind, I've got tons of power going out. But if somebody interrupts that movement, we are both in serious trouble. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going 120 and I got to try and make an, uh, you know, a, I got to make a move out to start tracking away from this group. I'm telling you, I have no power and I'm a good flyer and I got to build up a little bit of angle before I can get some speed. But that whole time I'm going slow, I'm looking where I'm going. I'm seeing that there's nobody in front of me and then I'm moving out. 
Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and and I would say, you know, th- these these guys that I'm talking about, they're they're the type of guys that would hear you say that, and they would really take, they would listen and really consider. I think they would. I I mean, from what I know of them, they're those types of guys that they would really listen and consider your perspective and your opinion and say, well, maybe that, you know, I, I, th- I think they would be like that. I'm not saying they would change their mind. I'm just saying they would, they care. They, they're trying to sure. be safe. They're trying to make good decisions. So I think they would, they would appreciate another perspective. And, you know, to the other side, like what you were saying, we, we do that on belly jumps all the time. Nobody has any speed <laughs> and, we, yeah. and we turn and break away and you got nothing. Right. And you just got to go and you got to do the best you can and and get away from people. But, you know, if like if a belly four way team, they start tracking away and one of them bumps into the other one. Well, we haven't we haven't built up any power yet. Like we're still mostly vertical. We're both going this exact same speed. And it would be like a chuckle of like, oh, I bumped into Charlie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Where I've got I mean, I I've got video of of people when they're at high speed, knocking other people unconscious. And, Mm. you know, two friends of mine, luckily very good flyers, three friends of mine dumped other people out that were unconscious. And those are, I can't imagine. Those are spicy jumps. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Jason. Super helpful, man. Well, if you're listening, you've done it again. You wasted another perfectly good hour (laughs) listening to Jay Res and Chris ramble on and on about all sorts of stuff thanks for joining us i I hope it's beneficial i hope it's fun i hope it's not a waste of time um Uh, but uh we'll keep going as long as well even if people don't listen we'll keep going probably listen man we got (laughs) we still uh we had a total of eight people in this podcast that's six more than we've ever had before so there you go it's going the right direction that's awesome well cool well um i i hope it's been beneficial everybody hope you've enjoyed it share it with your friends check us out on spotify uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you can find it. And uh, we'll just keep making these, man. Cool. Thanks I'll see you next us. week. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Peace. See ya.